John 4, Proverbs 20. Now here in John 4, uh, we've been talking about this uh, all week as we said, but we'll review just a little bit for the benefit of those of you that haven't been with us. Here in John 4, the Bible tells us that Jesus and his disciples were traveling and they went through Samaria. And uh, when they came through Samaria, he stopped at, at a well there and they went on to get something to eat. And uh, while he was standing there, the Bible said a certain woman of Samaria came to draw water. Now Jesus has been traveling for some time and he's, he's tired, the scripture said, and, and apparently thirsty. And he's, he's standing by a well, but he can't get the water out because the well is deep and there's no, ap no fixed apparatus on the well to draw water up out of it. Uh, you, people brought their own buckets or their own vases with ropes and drew the water out for themselves. That was the practice in those days in that part of the country. And uh, so he's standing there thirsty by a well. Amen. You'd think if you were by a well you could get something to drink, but how many know that's not always the case? You know? I mean, you can be, you can be standing by a, a pop machine with ice cold pop inside of it and be thirsty. But if you don't have anything to get it out of there with, <laughs> is that right? I've, I've seen situations where I needed some water and there was a great big, uh, uh, you know, faucet there, but somebody had taken the handle off of it. <laughs> you can't, you can't get it on. I mean, you got, you got lots of water right there. If you could just get that thing on, you know. So, I mean, it's possible to be so close and yet, you know, still not, not be able to get anything out of it. But, uh, but this woman came. She had a bucket with her or a vase with a rope or cord or whatever. She came to draw water. And I guess she proceeds to just, she looks at him, he looks at her. She begins to put her uh, bucket in there and draw the water. He looked at her and he said, would you give me something to drink? Would you give me a drink? She looked at him and she said, well, why do you ask, you're a Jew, and why do you ask drink from me who am a Samaritan woman? Because you know the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She's probably said that kind of sarcastically, you know. Well, you know, you Jews don't normally want anything to do with us, but here you are thirsty, now you want something from me, you know. And she's kind of, uh, she's being sarcastic and bringing up prejudices. But Jesus didn't get down on her level. How many know you don't have to get down on folks' level like that? They use slanderous language or prejudice statements. Well, you don't have to get down on that level and, and wallow in that stuff. Amen. Just you, you can over the Bible. Proverbs said it's it, it's a honor for a man and shows wisdom to overlook an insult. Just overlook it. Act like he didn't hear it. And so Jesus just looked at it and he said, and he said, now if you knew who it was that was talking to you and who asked you for a drink, you'd have asked him for a drink, and he would have given you living water. And, and, and she began to be interested. She said, uh, sir, the well is deep and you don't have anything to draw with. How and from where are you going to get this living water? And so uh, down, let, let's begin reading here at the uh, 13th verse. Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Praise God. Now we know he's talking about uh, the, the spirit of life that's in every believer when somebody is genuinely born again. Isn't that right? 
And he, he, he says that, that those that come to him and drink from him, they'll have in them a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Let's say it out loud at least three or four times. Everybody say, inside of me, inside of me is, a well is a well of living water. A well of water of life is inside of me. Now, is that true? That's true, isn't it? A well of life, a well of living water, a well of water of life, we could say, is inside of everyone who's, who has come to Jesus and drank of him. You know, the invitation is given in Revelation. Some of the last verses in the scripture, it says uh, that the Spirit says, Come, and the bride says, Come, and everybody that will, come and drink freely from the water of life. And so the, the, the Bible compares partaking of Jesus and partaking of salvation to uh, coming and drinking water. Amen. And you know, I mean, we use, the, we use those saying sometimes you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And, uh, you know, there's a truth to that concerning salvation. You can, you can pray people, uh, you know, in, so that it makes, makes it easier for them to, to come to see the truth and see the light. You can take them to church with you. You can preach the gospel to them. You can show them the water. You can tell them it's good. Amen. You can, you can virtually stick their nose in it. But it's still up to them whether they're going to drink or not. Isn't that right? It's still up to them whether they're going to drink or not. Uh, you know, with our faith, we can make it easier for people to receive Jesus. But we can't just receive salvation for people. Do you understand? I mean, you, you know, if you got lost loved ones, or relatives, or what have you, sure you want to see them saved. And yes, there are things you can do for them. But as far as you say, well, I'm going to believe I'll receive their salvation, just like I received mine. Well, you can't receive it for them. Did you hear me? You can't receive somebody's salvation for them. If you could, then that would eliminate their will. Their will is not in the picture anymore. If, if You know, you're going to receive it and they're going to be saved whether they want to or not. doesn't work that way. God's given men and women a free will. Amen. And there's a lot of things we could say about that. I mean, there, but, but, but basically, what can we do to help people to get saved? First of all, the Bible says in, uh, over in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, it says those that don't believe the gospel don't believe because their minds have been blinded by the God of this world, referring to the devil, God of this world system, we could say, the devil. You know, no, nobody in their right frame of mind and with good understanding chooses hell over heaven, do they? Chooses, you know, uh, to be condemned with, with, with the devil and his crowd over spending eternity with the Lord. No, Nobody that really sees the truth does that. But people are blind, aren't they? People are blind. They don't see reality. They don't see the truth. So one of the first things that you can do is in trying to help a person to, to come to Jesus is that you can take the authority that we as believers have in the name of Jesus and, and in the name of Jesus break the power of that darkness and blindness over their lives. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? You know, in, in your prayer time. You, you, now, now this, specifically speaking, this is not prayer. This is you exercising your authority because you're not really talking to God. See, God's not the problem, is He? But the enemy 
and the, the, em, the emissaries of the enemy that work against them, you, you, you can say it like this, you know, uh, Satan, I take authority over you concerning so-and-so's life. I command you, take your hands off of their mind. Blindness, darkness, be lifted from them in the name of Jesus. And of course, say it in faith. Believe that when you say it, believe that it's effective. Amen. And, uh, and we have authority. We have, you know, we, we can't just receive something for somebody, but we, we can, we can do that. Then, the Bible, Jesus said, uh, that the, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And he said, pray ye, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send laborers into the field. The next thing you do after you break the power of darkness over their lives in the name of Jesus is that you ask the Lord to send laborers across their path. Now see, they may not listen to you. And they might, particularly if it's relatives. <laughs> I mean, know what I'm talking about. They may not want, they may not want to listen to you about it. Uh, they may not want to hear most anybody you know. But the Lord's got a lot of people around. And a lot of laborers. Amen. And they're all kind of vehicles. Personally, TV, radio, books. I mean, all kind of things. I mean, it might be somebody on the job that they work with that's a Christian. Might be somebody they meet in a store somewhere. Might be somebody they meet on an airplane, you know. I mean, that's up to the Lord. He knows how to do it. But you ask Him. Lord, I ask you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, to send a laborer across their path. Prepare their heart for it and send a laborer across their path to, to, to minister to them just the way they need to. And the Lord will do it. I said the Lord will do it. If you ask in faith and believe and expect it, the Lord will do it. And, and friend, I mean, they're set up to be saved now, aren't they? I mean, they, they got everything going their way. They've got the power of darkness broken from over their minds so that they can, can receive the gospel and be enlightened. The Lord will send somebody or, or more, more than one person across their path to minister to them and they will see the light of truth. They'll be convicted as they see it, as they hear it. They'll see and realize that they're lost. They'll see and realize that Jesus, what Jesus has done for them and how that they need to be saved. And that's as far as you and I can go with them. You understand? At that point, they must make a decision. They still can, if they so choose at that point, they can, even with, even with being enlightened, they can turn and reject that and not receive Jesus. You understand? They can do that because they have a free will. Somebody said, what if they do that? You do it again. I said, you do it again. And as long as somebody's breathing, you stay with it. Amen? And you know, you, you just keep believing along those lines and God will keep bringing them up to that point. He'll keep bringing them up to that point of enlightenment. He'll keep bringing them to that point of decision. Amen? Until they either receive or, you know, life runs out. And that's as far as we can go. I know sometimes people don't like that kind of preaching as well as they like some other, uh, you know, uh, implications. But friend, I believe this is the Word. You understand? This is the Word. Uh, and thank God for it. How many, know, how many know it's good to know that you can do something to help your relatives? So I just worry about it. That doesn't help. How many know the Bible says, uh, you know, we're not supposed to worry. We're supposed to cast our cares over on the Lord. And that can be one of the most challenging things you've ever done uh, concerning loved ones. But if you want to help, you've got to get in faith. Isn't that right? Yeah. Worrying doesn't help. It hurts. Worrying is indicative of unbelief. If you're in unbelief, 
then you're, you're not doing anything that will open the door for the Lord to move and help them. If you want to help people, if you really love people, you want to do what helps. Faith helps. Faith opens the door. Amen. Anyway, that's not in my notes anywhere here, but I, I think it'll, I think it'll go. But, uh, anyway, we have a well inside of us, don't we? Everyone that's genuinely born again. Go with me to Proverbs 20 now, this other verse of scripture. Proverbs chapter 20. How many love the Lord today? How many love the Word? You know, your love for the Lord and your love for the Word are really one and the same. It really is. Uh, you find somebody that really loves God and they love the Word. They love the Word. They love the Bible. They love the Word of God. You show me somebody that doesn't think much of the Word, doesn't care much for the Word, uh, no matter what they say, they don't really love the Lord that much. Good example is David. How many know the Bible said David was a man after God's own heart? He, he loved the Lord. You believe it? You believe he loved the Lord? I tell you, have you ever read the 119th Psalm? I mean, it's the longest Psalm that David, you know, the Spirit of God uh, used David to write. Long Psalm. And nearly every verse is describing how he loves the Word. And how he respects the word. And I'll give you a little secret here. If you want more of that love of the word to get in you, pray that psalm for yourself. You can turn that psalm, Psalm 119, into a prayer. You can just sit down and open to Psalm 119 and you start with verse 1 and pray on through what? one Verse 170, whatever it is. That's a lot of verses I know. But it depends on how much you want it to, you know. It doesn't take but just a few minutes. But you sit down and just pray that for yourself. Amen. Pray it from yourself and for yourself. And there's the, there's the spirit of loving God's word in that passage. And it'll get in you. I said it'll get in you. And your love for the word will grow. And that that's indicates that your love for God is growing. Now you've got love in you. If you're born again, you've got love in you. Bible said the love of God's been shared abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. But your love can grow. Even though you got love in you, it can grow. Paul prayed for the saints at Philippi. He said that their love might, might grow, might increase, might, might abound more and more. So thank God our love can grow. And your love for the Lord is revealed in your love. One, one, one way it's revealed is in your love for His Word. I love the Word. Amen. I, I, oh, I thank God for the Word. How the Word, you know, when I say the Word, I don't just mean just, just ink and paper. I, I, I'm talking about the person who said these words. Amen. And there's life in these words because there's life in Him. The words go right back to the person. God and His Word are one. And He said He's exalted His Word above His name. Amen. And His name is highly exalted. Thank God for the Word. My life is better today than it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Amen? Why? Because of the Word. Because of the Word of the Lord that He's revealed unto us and given us grace to, to walk in. The Word gives you victory. Praise God for the Word. I love the Word. I love the truth. His Word is truth, the Bible says. You know, the Bible said over in Thessalonians, it talked about individuals that rejected the love of the truth. And were given over to believe lies and to be condemned. You know that some people love tradition more than they love the truth? 
Do you know that? I've shared Bible scriptures with people before. And they looked at me, looked at me and said, well, yeah, but now this is what we believe. Well, friend, it don't make a hill of beans difference what you believe. What makes a difference is what the Word says. Folks say, well, I got my right to believe, believe what I want to believe. No, as Christians, we don't have a right to believe anything except the Bible. Is that right? Amen. And I don't know about you, but if I'm wrong, I want to know it. I, I, I want to try to stay open. You know, if, uh, if I'm preaching something or believing something and somebody can come and show me Bible verses that, that, that corrects what I'm saying, I want to know it. Now, I don't want them coming with just some tradition or what brother so-and-so said or what this one thinks or what mama said. Did you hear me? Verses. And not just a half of an odd verse here or there. Verses. Rightly divided truth. How many know what I'm talking about? Oh, thank God, thank God. I tell you, years ago, years ago, the Lord asked me a question. I don't mean I heard a voice, but I just knew inside of me what he was, what he was saying to me. He asked me to examine what I believed and why I believed it. Every time that I realized something that I was real strong on, that I believe this, why do you believe it? And did you know there were times when I would think of something I believed and the Spirit of God reminded me, why do you believe that? And I said, well, that's, yep, that's in the Bible. Where at? Well, it's in there somewhere, you know. And I try to think and try to find scriptures and try to find scriptures and sometimes just have to come to the conclusion, that's not in there. <laughs> and you finally figure out you heard some preacher somewhere say it. Our grandpa said it. Our daddy said it. I mean, know that, you know, that if we're not careful, and the thing is, a lot of times people will even say the Bible says things that it doesn't say. Well, you know, the Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, you know, the Bible says that, you know, uh, the Lord helps those that help themselves. Well, you know, the Bible says that God won't put more on you than you can stand. Where are those at? Did you hear me? There's a whole range of things like that. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things like that. The people say it and all the time. Where's it at? I could tell you portions of scripture that people twist around and add some of this and take some of this and, and develop some of these things. And some of those things might be, I mean, it's a good idea to be clean. I highly recommend taking baths. And, amen. And absolutely you need to do what you can to help yourself, you know, but, but to say the Bible said it, if you're going to say the Bible said it, have chapter and verse. Do you understand? So see, a lot of times people are too free. They're too loose with saying the Bible. Well, the Bible says this and the Bible says that and it doesn't. I said it doesn't. And when we do say the Bible says something, we need to not just be taking a half a verse, we need to take the whole context of the passage and make sure that what we're saying is in harmony with the whole thing. And the Bible says we must rightly divide the word of truth. Not just, you know, if it can be rightly divided, that means it can be wrongly divided. But anyway, have you found Proverbs yet? I'm having a difficult time getting my message out today. I'm taking too many side journeys. Learn that from another fellow. Proverbs 20, verse 5. It says, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Everybody say, draw it out. Now, that's, that's the title of my, my teachings this week. I know I've already given you three sermonettes, but, but now here's the title. Draw it out. 
And we've been talking about how to draw out of the well of living water that's in us. We went into some detail, and if you're interested, the tapes are available. We went into some detail Monday and Tuesday about how that inside of us, by the person of the Spirit of God within us, by the, by the, the life of God that lives within us, is a vast reservoir, such a, such a tremendous treasury of life, healing, health, strength, wisdom, counsel. But just because it's in there doesn't mean you're going to enjoy it. How many really believe the Holy Ghost lives inside of you? If you're born again, the Holy Ghost lives inside of you. And uh, if He lives inside of you, then God lives inside of you. Everything that God is, everything that God knows, everything that God has is inside of you. And that's something we need to meditate upon. We need to think about that. The Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost dwells in your spirit. That makes your body the temple of the Holy Ghost. But now just because that, that these things are in you does not mean you're going to enjoy it. You have to draw it out. Just like Jesus was standing by that well and there's water down in there, probably good water and cold, but you have to have something to get it out with. You have to have a, a bucket or you have to have something to, to get it out and to draw it out. And it's a sad thing that so many Christians are, are walking around in life with the greater one inside them. I mean, he who knows everything, he lives in them. And they walk around confused and without direction. He who is omnipotent dwells within them and they walk around weak. He who is the healing spirit is within them and they walk around with many, many problems. He who knows the plan and counsel of God lives inside them and they walk around without direction. In darkness. The counsel is there. But what did he say you've got to do? He said it's in you. It's in a person. It's like deep water that you've got to draw out. Now I want you to go with me over to Isaiah. Let's look at this verse again that we looked at yesterday. Isaiah the 12th chapter. Because we began yesterday talking about how to draw it out. How to draw it out. You've got to know what's inside you, or at least have some kind of an idea of what's inside you. And you've got to be bold to go take it out, draw it out. You understand that so many people, they think, are, are waiting on God to bless them. Waiting on God and pleading and begging with God to do something for them. When the truth is, He's already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He's already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. The Bible said He's already healed us by His stripes. He's already delivered us. The New Testament is full of scriptures like this. And for us to think that we're just waiting on God to bless us is wrong thinking. He's already blessed us. But what remains is that we must learn how to tap in to the blessings that He's given us. We must learn how to draw out of those resources in Christ. In Isaiah, the 12th chapter, verse 3, he says, Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Here's some light about how to draw it out. 
Therefore, with joy, everybody say with joy. See, with joy shall you draw water, draw it, draw it out of the wells of salvation, salvation, salvation. Every person that's saved has got a well of living water within them. Every person that's born again has got a well of living water. Uh, we're talking about the Holy Spirit within. But you've got to draw it out. And, and these two words give us some insight. He said you'll do it with joy. Now as we went into some detail yesterday talking about the fact that actually the means whereby you draw out of these resources is faith. But when you do things in faith, it's evidenced by joy. I said, when you do things in faith, it's evidenced by joy. There's no such thing as being depressed and being in faith. You understand? If, uh, you know, if you just say, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm believing God for such and such, and you're sad about it, and down about it, and worried about it, you're kidding yourself. You're not in faith. Did you hear me? If you're in faith, believing God's heard your prayer, spoken a word of faith, believing that it was effective, believing in your heart that you've received, that will put you in a state of expectancy. Now, you've already believed you've received in your heart, but you're expecting to see the changes in this natural physical realm because of what you've already believed you've received. And if you're expecting things to happen, good things to, you're, if it's healing, you're expecting to get better. You're expecting your pain to, to leave. You're expecting the, the problems to stop. You're expecting to get stronger, feel better. If it's finances, you're expecting the money to come in that you need. If it's wisdom and direction, you're expecting to know what you need to know. You're expecting. If you're expecting, it'll cause you to have joy. Amen? Won't it? If you don't have joy, you're not expecting. If you're sad and depressed, it's because you're expecting something bad to happen. And that's not faith. That's fear. Are you with me? Very simple, but, but, but basics of faith that we need to understand. Sometimes people think, well, you know, you know, it's, it's hard to tell whether you're in faith or not. Oh no, it's not, it's not that difficult. Faith is evidenced by certain things. Joy is one of them. Peace is another one. Joy and peace are two of the greatest characteristics and indicators of faith I know of. Romans 15 says, Now the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace in believing. Fill you with joy and peace. Joy and peace in believing. We read over there in First Peter, the first chapter, where it says, uh, Though you haven't seen the Lord, yet you love Him. And though you haven't seen him, yet you believe in him, rejoicing. Amen? Rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why? Because you believe in him. When we think about dying, do you get sad or are you glad? <laughs> if you really know the truth and believe the word, if you believe you're saved, if you believe you're going to heaven, then there should be an expectancy about death of good. Amen. Absolutely. But if you died tonight, well, I'd go to heaven. What about you? I know where I'd go. Amen. 
And it's not because I've lived such a wonderful life and done everything just perfect. It's because of what Jesus has done for me. And I have faith in what he did for me. And by faith I'm saved. Can you say amen? By grace through faith. That's, that's, that's how we're saved. But those principles work in every part of this life as we walk through life now. We're not just saved by faith. The Bible said the just shall live by faith and walk by faith. So how is it that you draw out these things? You draw them out with faith. And an indicator of faith is joy. That's why he says while you're drawing it out, you'll, you'll do it with joy. You'll have joy while you're drawing it out. Why? Because because you believe you got something on the other end of the rope, and you believe it's coming out. Amen. You're thirsty and dry, but you believe in just a few moments you're going to be drinking. Isn't that right? How many know? You know, I used to. Uh, now, uh, I grew up in the country, grew up on a farm, and we lived in a you know not in in a in a rich portion of the country by any means, at least not rich financially. But uh, uh, my grandparents had a deep well. We had a well. Now we had a pump on our well. They didn't have a pump on their well. They had a big. They had a little uh, a little booth kind of built over it with a uh, uh, a bucket and a rope and a pulley. And it was a deep well. I mean, it was you know long ways to the water. And uh, we always, my brother and I always liked drawing the water when we were little. Now, after you got a little bigger, it got to be a job. You didn't like it anymore. But, you know, we always wanted to do it when we couldn't do it. And then when we could do it and they told us to do it, we didn't want to do it. That's the way it goes, isn't it? And uh, anyway, you, you could let that bucket down. And what we like to do is just, you know, they told us not to do it, but we like to do it. It just turned loose of the rope. <laughs> Some of y'all laughing like y'all did the same thing. Somebody as well. And, uh, and we just, you know, you, you, you let it down a little bit and then you turn it loose in this big old bucket. And especially if you were hot. I mean, if we were hot in the summertime and boy, in Mississippi in the summertime, it gets hot and humid. <laughs> it does. I mean, I mean, I mean. And we'll be hot and, you know, it's hard to say perspiring, but you don't perspire down there, you sweat. You, you just go ahead and sweat. And, uh, uh, anyway, you, you, you drop the bucket, you know, and you hear it. You hear it when it splashes. Now, you're already glad. Isn't that right? You're already glad. And you haven't tasted water yet. You understand? And you hear that. You can hear that bucket. You know, if you listen, it's quieter. You listen. It begins. You hear the, you hear the bottom of the bucket hit the water. Then you, you, you hear it when it's full. It goes bloop. And it sinks. Then you begin to draw it up. Draw it up, and you're already glad. I mean, as far as you're concerned, you got water. Isn't that right? You got it. But you're not enjoying it yet. It's in there. You even got it on the other end of the line. But you're not going to enjoy it until you get it up and get it out so that you can drink it. Isn't that right? Oh, friend, inside you is living water. Water of life inside of you. But you've got to draw it out. Don't you? How do you draw it out? You draw it out with faith. There are many different expressions of faith. Many different ways that you can act in faith to draw some of these things out of you. But faith is, is evidenced by joy. Joy. Now I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about a particular way of drawing out some of these things inside you. Uh, I want you to go with me to two openings. 
John the second chapter and Colossians the third chapter. John chapter 2 and Colossians chapter 3. In John chapter 2, the Bible said in verse 1, The third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, John 2 verse 1, And the mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were there set six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. That's about twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. Everybody say, fill the water pots with water. Say it again, think about it. Fill the water pots with water. One more time, think what, think about what you're saying. Fill the water pots with water. And they fill them up to the brim. Up to the brim. And he saith unto them, draw out now. Everybody say, draw out now. Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, didn't know where it came from, but the servants which drew the water knew. They knew where it came from. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Now go with me if you would to, uh, I tell you, before, before you uh, read Colossians, stop by in Ephesians on your way over there. It's on the way. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, because these passages all go together. And Ephesians says something that Colossians didn't say. And then Colossians said something that Ephesians didn't say about the same thought, so we'll read both of them. Ephesians 5, verse uh, 17. Ephesians 5, 17. He says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Many people have been content just to say, well, you know, we don't know what the Lord's will is. Uh, just whatever it is, you know, he'll do what his will is. But no, that's not what the scripture teaches. The scripture teaches we have a responsibility to find out what the will of the Lord is. Amen. And of course, where are you going to find the will of the Lord? The word of the Lord reveals the will of the Lord. But it goes on to say in verse 18, it says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't be drunk with wine, he said, but be filled with the Spirit. Do you see here that he compares being full of the Spirit to being drunk with wine? I said, do you see that? Am I, am I reading that wrong? That's what he said, isn't it? He said, don't be drunk with wine, but. Now, you know, a lot of times we need to, we need to uh, share this with our young people particularly. 
You know, so many times people in, in, in religion, all they do is teach and preach don'ts. But they don't give people the replacements. You know what I mean? They say, don't do this, but they don't tell them what to do, do instead. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't drink. Don't do drugs. Don't. Well, I sure, that's good advice. But what is it that motivates people to drink and get high in the first place? Hmm? There's something in them that's, that's reaching out for that, that feeling of ecstasy. Isn't that right? That, that, that's something that, that lifts them up out of the mundane ritual of life and, uh, and gives them that, that, that laid back feeling, that, that excited feeling, that rush, that, that high, whatever. That's in the nature of people, isn't it? People do all kinds of things to satisfy it, but it's in the nature of, of people, whether folk won't admit it or not. And what many in religion have done is just told people, well, you're not supposed to have that. Just, just suppress that and don't, you know, you're not supposed to have it. But that's not completely true. I said, that's not completely true. There's a desire not just in your flesh, my friend. Of course, there's a desire in your flesh to be fleshy, <laughs> to be carnal, to, you know, break the rules. But there's a desire in your spirit, a hunger for God. A desire for the ecstasy that's, that, that can be experienced in God. For the peace. For the joy. For the exuberance. And some of, those are some of the things that, that, uh, people try to get through the natural means of drugs and alcohol and those kind of things. But they are a poor, 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 poor substitute that never satisfies that, that only brings death and misery. But instead of just telling people don't drink, don't do drugs, we need to get them over here, do this. Get full of the Spirit. For nearly anything you want to talk about of God's things, the devil tries to pawn off substitutes. But oh, we got the real thing. I said, we got the real thing. We got the real article. What the world has just got some poor, poor fakes and substitutes for. He said, don't get drunk with wine. That's not what you want. Don't go that route. But be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Also, and I believe that's one of the, that's one of the, 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 the heart cries of the Spirit of God is for the church to be and stay filled with the Spirit. Now, when he says filled with the Spirit, the Greek here literally says and, and implies be ye being filled. A continuous thing. Be ye being filled. Go on with me over to Colossians. Let's read Colossians. Uh, it says a similar thing, but he, he adds some things that, that uh, he didn't say in, in the letter to the Ephesians. Colossians 3, verse 16. Colossians three sixteen. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom. Now see, Paul didn't say that to the Ephesians like that. But in Colossians, he didn't compare, you know, being filled with the Spirit to being drunk with wine either. So you need, that's why I want you to look at both of them. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. He, he brings out this to both of the churches. 
he says some other things, but he both, to both of them, he admonishes them to speak to themselves and to speak to each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, many have just taken this passage to mean sing out of the songbook and congregational singing and these kind of things. But friend, that is not what he's talking about. And many have taken uh, the phrase singing, you know, uh, being filled with the Spirit or singing in the Spirit. They've taken that to mean, well, you just sing with a lot of vim, vigor, and vitality. You know, you just, you really, you put some punch into it. But that's not just what he means. Did you hear me? We need to look at all the scriptures along these lines and not just jump to conclusions or traditional concepts. But what does the scripture say when it talks about these things? Now, I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians, the, the 14th chapter, because he talks about doing things in the Spirit in this portion of Scripture. This is a, a portion neglected and misunderstood by some, but it gives the answers to these questions very clearly. 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. Now, in this portion of Scripture... He deals with the uh, the subject of speaking in tongues and the subject of prophecy in much detail. And if we had time and were so inclined, it'd be good to just do a verse by verse study of this whole portion of scripture. But that's not our purpose. But let's just read a few verses. Verse one, First Corinthians fourteen. He says, "Follow after charity, or that means love, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy." For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Everybody say mysteries. Now what's a mystery? Mystery, basically speaking, is something you don't know. If you knew it and understood it, it wouldn't be a mystery to you. Right? A mystery is something that is, that is, you know, at least part of it is unknown to you or hidden from you. Or you don't have a full understanding. You don't see it clearly. It's a mystery. But when you're speaking in another tongue, he said you're not talking to men. You're talking to God. And he said uh, you are speaking out mysteries. Now, skip down to verse 4. He says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Or builds himself up. That word edify means to build up. To build up. And in verse 14, he says, If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. So many things could be said about these portions of Scripture. But I'm talking about draw it out. Amen? How to draw it out. We said basically speaking, the way you draw out these resources is faith. But there are many different expressions of faith. Many different expressions of faith. And I'm talking about just this one today. Now how many know that the... We, we, we read the portion in John 4 about the well of living water. But how many know that Jesus talked about another portion uh, and about water in John 7? He, he said he stood up on the last day of the feast and he cried. He said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. And as it is written, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. 
But it said, But this spake he of the Holy Spirit, that they which believed on him should receive. Because the Holy Spirit was not yet uh, poured out or given because Jesus, he, was, he hadn't been crucified and lifted up at that time. But we know on the day of Pentecost, he came. The Holy Spirit has come. And how many know that, that, that in talking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus uses two different examples. He talks about the well of living water in John 4, but then he talks about rivers of living water in John 7. One Holy Ghost, two experiences. I said two experiences. When you're born again, you've got the well. Are you listening? You've got within you the Holy Spirit if you're born again. But Jesus told the disciples, he said, uh, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He didn't say it, wait until you get born again. He didn't say wait till the Spirit comes within you. No, until the Spirit comes upon you. In the new birth, the Holy Spirit is in you. But how many know that even though you're born again, you need power to be a witness for Christ? And there are other dimensions of the Spirit. There are other works of the Spirit. And there is the, the, the experience we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, many people, and, 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 and I want you to, you know, I'm, I'm running out of time today, but we'll get as far as we can. Many people have stopped at many different ways along the line of walking with God as far as receiving the fullness of the Spirit. When I say many people, I do not, I'm not just talking about groups other than Pentecostal or Charismatic. I'm including Charismatics. Many, many Charismatics have stopped way short. Many Pentecostals that claim to have the fullness of the Spirit do not. And what you need to understand is that the fullness of the Spirit is not something that you receive completely on one day and that's it. The scripture said, be ye being filled. There's one new birth, thank God. Amen. And then there is one endowment of power from on high called the baptism in the Holy Ghost. But then, uh, even though a person may be filled at that time, there are to be many following refillings. Amen. Amen. Many following refillings. Yes, we believe that when an individual receives the Holy Spirit and is filled with the Holy Spirit, that they can and should speak with tongues. But just because one speaks with tongues, that doesn't mean, doesn't mean they're automatically filled with the Spirit for the rest of their life. Did you hear me? And people in charismatic and Pentecostal circles, they use this phrase, Spirit-filled, too loosely. They say, well, you know, did you hear about so-and-so? I mean, you know, he's spirit-filled. Truth is, he may not have been spirit-filled in months. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't mean that the Holy Ghost goes and comes. He's come inside you to live and abide forever. But I'm talking about the manifestation of his fullness. Like one old preacher said, he said, some things is better felt than felt. You know, I mean, some things is, is difficult to explain. If you've never been full of the Spirit... You know, you may just be skeptical about some of these things we're talking about, but friend, I've been filled with the Spirit several times, many times. And I want you to know there's nothing like it. Amen. I was born again when I was 12 years old. I know exactly when I was born again. I followed my daddy up the aisle in a, in, in a good Baptist church and knelt and gave my heart to the Lord and got born again. Amen. No, I was born again. If I'd have died right then, I'd have went straight to heaven. Amen. 
for years I, di- I, I, I didn't grow, didn't, didn't develop like I should have. And then later on, I, I uh, received the Holy Spirit, reading one of Brother Hagin's books, received the fullness of the Spirit, yielded to the Spirit of God and spoke in tongues. But that's not arriving. That's coming through the door. Amen. And there's been different times that the Spirit of God has filled us. And you can be more or less filled uh, each day, day in, day out. It's up to you. It's more up to you how full you are than it is up to God. Now let me sum up some things from the, these things that we've already read. The story about how that uh, Jesus turned the water into wine. This goes, this goes hand in hand with what we're talking about. There are many truths revealed here. Because, see, he compared the fullness of the Spirit to wine, to being full of wine, to being drunk with wine. You ever seen anybody drunk in the Holy Ghost? Now, I know that sounds strange to some folks, but, uh, and, and they don't misunderstand me. There are people, bless their hearts, they act a fool, put on stuff. And, you, know, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes that turns good people off from, from legitimate things. Just because you see somebody do something, you know, foolish, doesn't mean... <laughs> so, let, let me just stop and tell you something here. Something happened to me. I was in a church one time. And it wasn't a Pentecostal church. Uh, and uh, we were having a good meeting. I mean, God is moving. And uh, I was, uh, uh, the Spirit of God was moving, and, and there were people healed there that night. Several people. And the Spirit of God came on a person, and they began to laugh. I don't know if you've never, ever, ever known about that, but you know, the psalmist said, when the Lord turned our captivity, we were like them that dreamed. Our mouth was filled with laughter. Amen. There is a laugh in the Spirit. And if you've never experienced it, don't knock it, you know, and you don't have to swallow it just because I said it. Search the Scriptures. See if it's right or not. And this person began to laugh. And they laughed. And they laughed and they laughed. I've seen people in healing school get started laughing in the Spirit and be healed while they were laughing. No exaggeration. No, I remember one time a woman started laughing. This is over in the other building. Not this building, but the other building we have our services in. Started laughing, fell out of her chair. Now you'd have kind of had to been there, you know, to appreciate it, but, but fell out of her chair. All at once she jumped up and ran out the back door. I thought, what, what happened? <laughs> and, she, and she ran into the bathroom. And she checked herself and was healed. Came back in. You didn't have to ask her, did the Lord do anything for her? I mean, her face was lit up like a sign. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we were in this service. And some other people began to be blessed and, and worship the Lord. And some began to shout. And some began to laugh. And this one fellow over on the side, he was the head deacon in the church. And boy, he was stiff and straight. I mean, he wasn't smiling at all, you know. And I thought, oh boy, you know. Hope he's not offended about this, you know. But, but I didn't start it. The Holy Ghost started it, you know what I'm saying? I didn't tell anybody to laugh. I didn't put them up to it. I didn't prime them. I didn't, you know, no, no psychology or anything like that. You know, Spirit of God just came on. I wasn't preaching on laughing. I wasn't even preaching like I am right now. I wasn't even talking about it. Spirit of God just started something. And, and then, uh, after a while, one of, one of the younger deacons started. And he looked over at him, you know. Boy, he's giving him the eye. And uh, all at once, this fellow, this head deacon that looked so stern and, so, and kind of aggravated, I mean, he started laughing. And I don't mean laugh, just a little. I mean, he's holding his sides. 
And he, 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 he walked up to the front and fell down in the altar and laughed and laughed and laughed until I thought, you know, he's going to hurt himself laughing. <laughs> Tears rolling down his cheeks. And oh, he got blessed. Oh, he got blessed. Oh, he got blessed. And he stood up and testified. He said, folk, I want you to know this is God. He said, I was sitting over there, and he said, I was, I, I was saying, I don't like this. Now, this other was okay. I'd go along with that. But now, this is too much. This is too far. I don't like this. And he said, I was mad, and I was upset. And he said, Holy, what's the Holy Ghost come on me? And he said, he said, I don't know what happened to me. He said, but I like it. I like it. I like God. The same spirit that, that I knew in the new birth. Amen. Amen. This is one way people get full of the Spirit. Not the only way, but one way. But, you know, some of these things I'm talking about have to do with some special things that God does. They don't happen all the time, you know, some, some special things. But I, I, I'm not wanting to just talk about special things. I'm wanting to talk about how you can draw it out. You can initiate being full of the Spirit. Listen to what happened with Jesus. He told them, go fill the water pots with water. Now that took some work. They didn't just take a water hose and drop them in them and fill them up. They, there's about, you know, 30 gallons, 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And so they got to walk to the well, draw it up, carry it back on their shoulder, pour it in, go back, get another bucket, carry it back. I mean, back and forth. It took a little while to fill these things up. But they filled them up to the brim. I mean, they leveled them off. And then what did Jesus tell them? Draw it out. Isn't that what he said? Draw it out. Draw it out. Everybody say, draw it out. Draw it out. But see, when they drew it out, it wasn't just water anymore. As they drew it out, that water was miraculously turned into wine which is typical of that which gives joy. Can you say amen? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. So, so what, what's, what's the symbolism in that? Simple. How many remember in Ephesians? We read there in Ephesians 5, uh, later on in that portion of Scripture, he uses this word water in connection with the Word. He talks about how that the Lord Jesus washes us and washes his church and his bride with the washing of the water of the word. Water is a type of the spirit, but water is also a type of the word, isn't it? How many understand that? And what this filling these water pots or filling these vessels full of water is symbolic of us filling ourselves with the word. Listen to Colossians. Let the word of Christ Dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Then what did he say? Speaking. Speaking. The speaking that he's talking about is not a speaking out of a hymnal, not a speaking out of memory, not a speaking by rote. It's a speaking in faith. Amen. And if you'll put the word in you and by faith, Speak out, you can draw that up out of you, and as you draw it up out of you, it'll turn into wine that'll give you joy, that'll cause you to be filled with the Spirit, comparable to being drunk with wine. Glory to God. 
How, are y'all excited about that or not? It took me a long time to see that. It took me years to see that. Amen? Glory to God. I'm not talking, there's special things that happen. Special things. God just come on you, just move on you. But you, you can't dictate that. You don't know when it's going to happen when it's not. I'm talking about something you can do to initiate getting full of the Holy Ghost. You want to get full of the Holy Ghost? I'm telling you exactly how to do it. Fill up your water pot with the Word. Amen? That's where the work comes in. Isn't that right? I said, you got, you got to go to the Bible. You got to draw it out. You got to pour it in. Draw it out. Pour it in. Isn't that right? Draw it out. Pour it in. That doesn't take as much faith. Just reading the Word, thinking about those things, putting it in you, putting it in you. But then there comes a time where you close the Bible. Are you listening? You're not reading anything. You're not quoting anything. You're not, you're not pulling anything out of memory. But from what you've put in your heart of the Word, by faith with words, you draw it out. I said, you draw it out. You draw it out. And as you draw it out, when you do it in faith, as you draw it out, it's miraculously changed from water to wine. The joy-giving wine of the Spirit. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I'm still talking about drawing it out. You draw it out by faith, and one of the key ways that you release faith is through your words, through speaking. And there are particularly two kinds of speaking that you can use to draw it out. Speaking in other tongues and speaking by the spirit of prophecy. Now, when I say by the spirit of prophecy, I just mean simply speaking by faith out of your spirit, uh, not out of your head, but by faith out of your heart. You don't know what you're going to say. The Bible tells us in, in Revelation 12, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Many people have prophesied and didn't even realize. They didn't call it that. Cause, cause folk have labeled prophecy erroneously. Many times when you say prophecy, people immediately think about predicting the future. And that's incorrect. I mean, there, there, you, there is a, there is an, uh, prediction can come through prophecy. But to say that all prophecy is prediction is, is very incorrect, very unscriptural. The Bible simply says in 1 Corinthians 14, 3 there, it tells us that he that prophesies speaks unto the church or unto men unto edification, exhortation, and comfort. That doesn't include prediction. It just edifies, it exhorts, it comforts. Just simple prophecy. But a simpler way of saying it is that you just speak out of your heart by faith. Now see, that's what you're doing when you're speaking in other tongues. But... Uh, when you're speaking in other tongues, you, you don't understand what you're saying with your head. When you're speaking by the spirit of prophecy, you're speaking out of your heart just like you do when you speak in other tongues. Only difference is your head understands what you're saying. It takes faith to do either one. I said it takes faith to do either one. And really to tell you the truth about it, it takes less faith to speak in tongues than it does to prophesy. Can you say Amen. I, I know I've dealt with quite a few people that, that don't speak in tongues, that, that, you know, uh, that maybe would like to or kind of open to it and what have you, but, you know, can believe different things about, well, I don't know, I'm not sure if I believe it's for everybody or whatever. Uh, it's for everybody. The Bible says I would that you all speak with tongues. It's one of the signs that should follow believers, Mark 16 says. But the key issue in speaking with tongues is faith. Faith. I know I've struggled. 
When, but when I was endeavoring to receive, I struggled. I kept thinking, well, God's going to make me do it, you know. God's just going to come over me and, and like, I'm, I'm just going to be like I'm not even there and He's going to be speaking to me in tongues and, uh, but, but I had to finally realize we're the ones that do the speaking. Amen. The difference is it doesn't come out of our head, it comes out of our heart. But the key is, is faith. I've had people look at me and say, what do I say? That's where the faith comes in. Amen? Amen. Well, I don't hear anything. You're not supposed to hear anything. Well, I don't feel anything. Well, nobody said that you'd necessarily feel anything. It's a faith proposition. Have you ever been praying? And, and you expressed your heart to God, said everything you, you, you knew to say, but you didn't feel satisfied. Your heart wasn't satisfied. Well, that's where tongues come in. Well, that you can by faith express what you've got in your heart to God. And the Bible says no man understands, but God understands. And you're speaking mysteries. That's why the Bible said in Romans 8 concerning the Holy Spirit, He helps our infirmities. Because we don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit of God helps us. And this is one of the principal means whereby He helps us. And here's the thing. If you're speaking these things, the Bible says you're speaking mysteries, you are drawing up this, this revelation and this illumination up out of you. And as Brother Hagin has said before, when you pray out mysteries, it brings revelation. When you pray out mysteries, it brings revelation. When you pray out the mysteries, you're drawing up. You're drawing up revelation and illumination up out of your spirit where the Spirit of God dwells. How many of the answers to, to, to your life's Questions and, and dilemmas are, are not in your head. <laughs> They're in your heart because the Spirit of God lives in you. How do you draw it out? Faith. And the main way faith is expressed is through words. Speaking with tongues is a supernatural means to express that and draw that out. And then prophecy is also a supernatural means, but it's speaking with your understanding to draw it up and out. If I had the time, which I don't. We could tell you about person after person, minister after minister, that have done good and wonderful things for the Lord. And the plan, so many times, I've heard many of them say, I could name different ones that you'd recognize the names and what have you. The plan, they said, came out while they were speaking in tongues. They were speaking in tongues, and while they are prophesying, and while they were drawing that out, they knew what to do. They saw what to do. They, they saw how to go. They saw the direction. The plan came out. Uh, for instance, let me just give you one instance and then we'll close. Uh, Brother Oral Roberts. I know that some people, you know, have had derogatory things to say about Brother Roberts, but, but you know, uh, I think people shouldn't say anything until they've done what, you know, the caliber of work and had as much fruit as he's had. Amen. And been in the place where he's been. He, he's a man like, like any man. I'm not saying he's, you know, never made a mistake. I, all of us have made mistakes, but, but, uh, I respect him. Amen. And, uh, uh, he said, when there was nothing but a field over there, on, uh, what, 71st and Lewis, or not 71st, 81st, sorry, uh, and Lewis, uh, he, he was, uh, uh, he said he was out there, nothing but a field. Nothing but a field. Nothing out there. And he said he walked out through that field one day, praying in other tongues. Just, just had something on his heart, just praying in other tongues. And while he prayed in other tongues, he began to by faith prophesy or interpret what he had prayed, and it was the plan and direction for that. That started by him drawing up out of his spirit that plan. And then many, many people getting behind him and giving and being faithful. You understand what I'm saying? But it came. Came from God, yeah, but where is God? He's in us. Amen. What is in you? My, 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 my. What's in you? 
God's plan for your life? Counsel, direction, help, healing, strength. It's, it's already in you. Do you know how to draw it out? Do you get started drawing it out. I said get started drawing it out. You draw it out with faith. One of the key ways that you express faith is through the words of your mouth. Draw it out. Draw it out. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.